Last time on Soy Trek. Oh, and that's when the dog started coming. Oh no, the dog's coming again! <laughs> hey, look, a dog! Hey, I wonder if we can make this dog come. <laughs> hey, you can try to make a dog come? <laughs> Let me tell you something about what I used to do when I was a kid. Oh, hey, it's it's Peter from oh wait. Brian from Family Guy. I wonder if we can make him come, even though he's a cartoon and, dog. And even though neither of us are hot redheaded women. Only one way to find <laughs> out. Yeah, so this is our continuation of uh, our review of Star Trek Generations. Yeah. Uh, the film from 1994 that was uh, written by Ronald E. Moore, Bren Braga, uh, story by Rick Berman, Ronald E. Moore and Bren Braga, directed by David Carson, music by Dennis McCarthy. Um, you might have noticed that uh, we have ads now. Don't want ads? Well, Soagers, for as little as $2 a month, you can subscribe to our Patreon and not only get ad-free episodes, but you also get episodes the moment I get done making them. You get them in high-quality stereo MP3, so it's mm. like you're here with us in mm. stereo! Hello, 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 hello. Hear that echo? No, you don't, because <laughs> you're listening to this in mono, you cheap piece of shit. <laughs> Unless you're not, and if you're listening to it in stereo, thanks for your money. Thank you. We love you. Um, yeah, you don't have to wait for it to trickle out over the week. Uh, you know, also, if you pay $10 a month, you uh, you get access to my Plex server, which has more movies than every other streaming service combined. Mm -hmm. And I just upgraded the internet on it, so it's super fucking fast. It's uh, working 10 times out of 10 everywhere in the U.S. And mm -hmm. hopefully elsewhere in the world, but I don't have friends there because, you know, foreigners. Fuck them. Um, except for Chekhov. Have you ever thought about getting one of those VPN things where you can watch, like, um, TV that's in other countries? <clears throat> I've thought about getting NordVPN. No. No. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I used to have a VPN. They're fine, whatever. They're not yeah. needed if you've got, if you got, like, my setup. It doesn't make any sense. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, your, your thing does have pretty much, it just does, you have a Son of the Beach on there. I just got Son of the Beach. No uh, one has Son of the Beach. I No one does. I've, no. I, I used to watch that show all the time. I also got fucking, if you probably saw That's My Bush. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, that, that show was insane. Like the... we, we watched an episode. Me and Spencer watched an episode the other day. Yeah. Uh, actually, like, funnier than you'd think. Oh, yeah, like the episode uh, about the death penalty mm -hmm. where uh, Carl Rove sucks the soul out of, of the last breath out of the guy being executed. Yeah, the guy who plays Carl <laughs> Rove on there is actually great. Like, I, yeah. we watched an episode yesterday where it's like uh, a thing about, like, abortion and stuff, and uh, they, they have a, a cake that just says <laughs> abortion. And has two <laughs> football helmets, and under the football helmets, one side says pro-choice, and the other says pro-life. And, like, there's a scene where it just, like, it shows the cake, and Carl Rove is like, I'm not gonna lie, the cake's pretty gay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was like, that's, that's like, 
funny. I don't know why yeah. that's funny, but it's very fucking funny. Uh, that's what I used to make. Yeah, and that episode has like the middle-aged fetus that survived yeah, an abortion. Yeah, 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 that survived an abortion. <laughs> yeah, too. yeah I mean, that, that show was really funny. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I've got a lot of weird shit. I just got to put up a TV server, and I've already got like 11 terabytes of TV on there. Wow. Yeah, yeah there's. I saw, yeah, Eek the Cat was on there. Mm-hmm. Eek the Cat fucks. Yeah, we love Eek the Cat folks, don't we? <laughs> Um, but yeah, but, uh, so for 10 bucks, you get that. Um, and then for $5 a month, uh, we, uh, mention your name and say thank you to folks like, uh, Dan Morrison, Dylan Lance, Joanna Hearn, Jordan Hale, Nick Savard, Shane Sawyer, and David Croning seats in the house. Yeah. Thanks to all those people. Thanks, y'all are great. We mm-hmm. love you. Yeah. And all of them, uh, deserve a, uh, you know, about some, uh, custom, Sweat shorts. So if you're listening to this and in any position, give all of them some custom sweat shorts. Do that. Once again, that's patreon.com slash dumb idiot BS. That's dumb idiot and the letters BS, which stand for bullshit, but also botulism scare, mm. which isn't a coincidence at all. No. No. That's what I named the company after. <laughs> So, uh, you ready to dive right back into the sexus? Yeah. Let's do it. Um, we get right back in with a captain's log mm-hmm. from Picard. Captain's log, stardate 48632.4. Dr. Crusher has informed me that Data's emotion chip has been fused into his neural net and cannot be removed. However, she believes he is fit for duty, so I have asked him to join me in stellar cartography. In the cavernous stellar cartography section of the Enterprise, Picard and Data work in front of a huge projection of space. Do you think they ever get high and go into stellar cartography? Oh, I, that'd be so <laughs> like, cool. Like, yeah, I, Do they have, I don't think I feel like they just don't have weed anymore. Yeah. Which sucks. Except they have the snake weed or whatever Raffi was smoking. That's true. Oh yeah, what did she do? The whatever she was vaping. You mean. Yeah, she's she was a vaping. vapor. Yeah, she's a vapor. But yeah, like yeah, just I feel like there's like some experiences that are just inc- very human, and you know, it's just mm-hmm. like getting high and going to like the, um, you know, uh, what's it? name escapes me. Uh, mutual masturbation. Mutual masturbation. <laughs> but yeah, but like go, but going to stellar cartography and just laying there completely stoned out of your mind and watching like the star stuff it seems like it would be like a really cool experience. It would. Yeah. Just like mutual masturbation. <laughs> in both mutual masturbation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking docking, my friend. Um, <clears throat> so Picard and Data work in front of a huge projection of space, and Picard asks for everything affected by the destruction of the Amargosa star. And Data is clearly distracted and doesn't immediately respond. And when Picard asks the android if he's all right, Data admits that he is feeling intense guilt over his failure to save LaForge uh, from being kidnapped in the observatory. Composing himself, Data reports that one of the things affected by the USS Bozeman had to make a minor course correction due to a change in the gravitational field. Picard asks Data to chart the ribbon's course. Data stands up and tells Picard that he cannot continue with the investigation and asks to be deactivated until the emotion chip can be removed. Picard tells him that he is not willing to allow it, and tells Data he must attempt to integrate the emotions into his life. Mm-hmm. Which, which, um, which I like, yeah, because that that's like, yeah. I mean, you wouldn't, you don't think about how if that's actually a healthy type of situ- 
thing because Picard obviously dealing with the death of his brother and his nephew mm-hmm. and still going to work. Would not recommend. Right. And also, like, <laughs> he's like, I'm feeling very emotional now, Data. I know you are too. So why don't we do the same job together? Yeah. But like, yeah. we'll, we'll cry while we work. Like, come on. But guys. then you, but then you have, like, you know, Picard who has, like, God knows how many decades of experience, mm-hmm. like, dealing with emotions. Well, well, I guess, like, actually not because in the Picard Star Trek series, like, he actually has no experience dealing with his emotions. True. But, True. like, um, but yeah, I mean, he's able to car, uh, compartmentalize like um, um, the what he's feeling right now with his job. But mm-hmm. you, he's speaking to Data, who <clears throat> literally has no control over his emotions. Doesn't have that same ability, experience, like and, or like what has has not known a time where he had emotions. And that's the crazy thing is like Picard is like, yeah, you're you're definitely fit to work, but like Data is basically like a really smart child now. Like he's 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 a young Sheldon at this yes. point, where he's like, yeah, he might be really smart, but he's like kind of a weird dickhead who can't control his emotions because he's a fucking child. So maybe he shouldn't like you know be in charge of anything. Yeah, um, yeah. If anything, that's more of a um, like it, it, like you know being part being a a, a star, uh, captain in Starfleet is mm-hmm. making making the right decisions for the betterment of the crew. True. And at this point. Data is more of a um, obstacle and and a liability mm-hmm. to the safety and um, and um, success of the crew more than anything. And, and as, as evidence that he was he was frozen uh, in fear mm-hmm. at a very crucial. Point. And it's crazy too because he's like he's having all these like new emotions and stuff. But like I, I feel like the most fundamental human emotion really j- never comes to a point of expression for him anywhere in this film. No. Which is horniness. <laughs> like, there's at no point in which Data's like, Captain, my emotions are taking me over, and I really got to rub one out, or I can't work. That would have been hilarious if he was just walking around with a with a con- with a constant erection. Uh-huh. He's like just pulsating. He's just like staring, staring at uh, Deanna's butt, just like going like, and just like with a little. Jordy, can I help you with anything? Little, I don't know. Can you? A little bit of wetness forming on the on the on the on, the, on his uniform. <laughs> just pre cum dripping down his robot leg. <laughs> and he's just, <laughs> just fucking Riker slips in it. <laughs> what the fuck, Data? I have oh, sir. I I seem to be having an oil leak of some kind. <laughs> I think didn't we make an oil leak thing in the last episode about poop in his pants or something? <laughs> Probably. I think we did. Yeah. Um, so Data tries to argue with Picard, not willing to shut him off, but Picard matter-of-factly tells him that he will not be deactivated as he is a Starfleet officer on his ship and orders him to continue to perform his duties. Data agrees to try and resumes his position at the console. Yeah. The doggy style position, which is also just like what actually happens in real life. Like if you're if you if you're ex- currently experiencing overwhelming emotions, mm-hmm. if someone just tells you to stop doing, stop feeling it, and just do your job, you can. Yeah, straight up. <laughs> and that's like fucking. That's, wh- like, that's how it works in real life. Yeah, when I was when we were cooks <laughs> at fucking Whole Foods, like you know, having an emotional breakdown, like yeah. fair, and I need to go home. I'm fucking crying at work. He's like crying well tears are salty so that'll let, help us save on salt <laughs> yeah. just cry over the pan yeah. dumbass what the hell are you yeah duh. yeah put, a- put on that put that on your resume eh? 
Mahalo, huh? Mahalo. Yeah. 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 Like, uh, yeah, just like, yeah. It's very bad decision by Picard. And this Terrible. is like, and this, of course, like the start of Picard making bad decisions mm-hmm. and, and, uh, Star Trek movies. Yes. Like, you know, TNG Picard, because, like, yeah, this is, like, where the division begins between the two Picards. Yes. Because, like, series Picard, rational, makes typically makes good decisions. Yeah, space lawyer Picard. Space lawyer Picard. Yeah. You know, he doesn't 100% always have the do the right thing. No. You know, who does? Yeah. But, like, he typically acts, and if he does do something wrong, mm-hmm. he re- he acknowledges that. Right. That bad decision. And makes, like, a, a, a greater point about it. Uh, yes. And this... You know, it's Picard making bad. This is like the start of of T, of movie Picard mm-hmm. continuously making the worst decisions because he ever. wants to be action man. Yeah, he wants to be action. Man. He wants to be action man and will, save it. I all. will say, like the action is the most believable. Like action Picard is the most believable in this. Well, movie. because he's not withering away like physically. Yeah. Like he's still like in his fifties, I think at this point, but he's not seen as like this unstoppable, like Rambo type character. No, thank God. And like, he doesn't swing on any fucking ropes. He doesn't swing on any ropes, but he does make bad, stupid decisions. Like, you know, it's all like not filling Riker in with his, with his own emotional state. I mean, like imagine the, filling Riker in. Like, yeah. Riker doesn't bottom for many people. No, Let me tell well, you yeah, Riker doesn't bottom. And also he, if, if he did, motherfucker's bottomless. Man, he's he's like ordering a Diet Coke at Red Robins. Bottomless, my bottom friend. List. Like you can you can not fill him up more. But but still he doesn't like he doesn't notify uh you know uh Riker in with mm. like you know he could potentially be like compromised in his decision making yeah. since he's dealing since he's being cur- currently bereaved. Yeah, and then like the now, only family I know died in a fire. Like yeah. that's all you got to say. Like, and Riker'd be like, "What? What? Whoa. Yeah, I'm, oh, I'm, uh. I'm literally the end of my I'm my family lineage. This yes. like this 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 long this this uh, family lineage that mm-hmm. that goes back. You know, like they they mention how like the Picards go. There's a Picard that goes all the way back to like you know the early seafaring days. Yeah, and like and now he's the he's the final. Mi- final person in this like long history and <laughs> Riker take the con 20 and, years from now I need to fill a Romulan up with my old cum <laughs> after I get over my mother's suicide oh because my, of Q's death oh my god like, do you think he could I wonder if he could make a baby like it's gonna be the oldest fucking baby it's gonna come out like just, 60 years old <laughs> it's just gonna come out as a, a lieutenant ben, junior grade already it's gonna come out looking like Benjamin Button <laughs> It's just like, <laughs> but yeah, like, uh, <laughs> just gonna come out as the new Romulan creator. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, he doesn't feel, he doesn't notify Riker. And also now he's making like this clearly emotionally unstable android who, that is, cause like that's a, that's what, you know, emotionally unstable person, you know, mm-hmm. pro- should, you know, in this kind of position, shouldn't be in that position yeah. in the first place. Uh, a, a, an android. That has the strength of ten men, <laughs> and, but the, the emotional strength of a child. The emotional strength of a child. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's it's like putting a what's his face from um, uh, of mice and men. Uh, yeah, Lenny. George, yeah, Lenny. It's like putting Lenny in in charge of ops and navigation. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, jo- hey, George. Where uh, where are we going to the the big planet? 
Yeah, yeah, of course, Lenny. We're going to the big planet. We're going to the- one last time. <laughs> but, but yeah, it'd be amazing if fucking Picard Lenny did him at the end. You, you, you remember Spot? You like the cats? You like the kitty cats? Remember the kid? Bang! Bang! Keep looking at the spot. Keep looking at the spot. <laughs> Bang! But yeah, like, yeah, not the best decisions, Picard. No. No. So, um, Data agrees to try and resumes his position at the console. Picard tells him that it takes courage to try and that courage can also be an emotion. Data is able to chart the ribbon's course and Picard asks if the Amargosa's star destruction was taken into account when he charted the course. Mm. Data tells him that he didn't and makes the adjustment, which is like, obviously Data's slipping. Yeah. Like, that's a thing a a robot should be able to Mm -hmm. account for. Uh, however, when this is done, it becomes clear that the gravitational change has altered the ribbon's course. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. God, I wish there was something sexual about ribbons. It really sucks that there isn't, because I, I, I want to just make so many jokes about ribbons. No. I mean, if, even if it was, like, scarves or something, like, it's like, I don't know, ribbon ribbon is cool. And, like, I've seen, like, tie jobs and stuff done with ribbons, but it's, like, too elegant and stuff to be funny more, at all. It, the first thing you always think about is, like, presents. Yeah, right. Like, you're like, oh, it's Christmas time. Yeah, which, which we do get a Christmas time part in this. So it, ribbons, Christmas ribbons. That <sighs> unable to fly into the ribbon with a ship, Soren is attempting to make the ribbon come to him. They keep saying ribbons. I wrote like yeah. every time they said ribbon, I wrote ribbon down. It's like <laughs> ribbon, 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 ribbon. Honestly, this should have been called Star Trek ribbon. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. the the um uh the Chronicles of Ribbon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm gonna write that one down. The Chronicles. Of, uh, um, I once worked with this guy uh named Shane. Um, mm-hmm. he was another dishwasher, and I was like 17 years old at the time, and he was like my age. 34 mm-hmm. uh, at the time <laughs> and uh we we called him the average shane but to be honest he was very much the simple shane mm. he was um he was shane was not a smart man mm-hmm. it was it was very i mean it, it, it wasn't like um he could take care of himself mm-hmm. uh, that's about it and he had <laughs> like two kids three mm-hmm. kids maybe i'm not sure mm. with some woman who i'm sure probably couldn't take great care of herself um a mom trying to my mom trying to call me here yeah, that's a that's a really nice uh sound effect <laughs> that's a, only for my mother yeah. only my mom gets the boy i have that for everyone i just put it on to like annoy me and so it, that you immediately like facetime fuck off yeah pretty much pretty much <laughs> So, unable to fly into uh, the ribbon with the ship. Uh, what were we talking about? Simple Shane. Oh, Simple Shane. Uh, yeah, so uh, the fu- the one of the funniest things he did was he could never get movie titles right. Mm. And especially, like, if they were in any way complicated, if they were any more than two words, he just <laughs> couldn't fucking get it. And so mm. he'd be like, uh, hey, watch that one with the, uh, it's like a kung fu, and they're, like, flying and stuff. And he's, I'm like, are you talking about, he's like, uh, Oh, it's the um the the tiger versus the dragon, and I'm like, <laughs> you're talking like crouching tiger, hidden dragon, right? He's like, maybe, 
<laughs> I'm like, okay. I don't think so. No. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then, it's some other kung fu movie that has Michelle Yeoh. Right, right. right. So <laughs> we're talking about. He's like, oh man, do you see that uh, the, the the Vin Diesel movie, the new one? And I'm like, oh no, you're talking about it's like a, a like a sequel to what was what was, what was the movie? Some not Perfect Dark, something. Um, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But he's like, oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's the um. The the Riddick one, uh, the the chronic the chronic of the Riddick. <laughs> I'm like the the chronic of the Riddick now. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the chronicles of Riddick. Obviously. <laughs> so was, but yeah, uh, we we love you, Simple Shane. I hope you're doing well out there. Probably still washing dishes. It was just, just like a I work a woman who's like was talking about yeah was, she was on this woman was on TV and her clitoris was out <laughs> and, and, every, and everyone in the kitchen what? everyone in the kitchen was like stopped what they were doing and were like her clitoris <laughs> <laughs> and like and like yeah her clitoris was out you know her clitoris and then she meant her cleavage <laughs> oh man that's good yeah. I like that but, but I, I I think we were all like dying at the oh, back yeah. of the yeah. thought like that's, that's very good. Uh, woman was on TV. Uh, Uretha, she called her Aretha Franklin. Was, well, I've was, heard that one a lot. Uh, of times yeah, it was, Are, it was Aretha Franklin that that had her clitoris out on live TV. That's so good. Yeah, Aretha Franklin rocks. <laughs> so unable to fly into the ribbon with a ship, Soren is attempting to make the ribbon come to him, mm-hmm. and they find that the ribbon comes close to Viridian Three. Data then simulates the course if the Viridian Star was destroyed and this causes the ribbon to come into direct contact with the planet mm. some might say first contact now yeah, yeah. they know where soren is going data points out that if the viridian star is destroyed it will also produce a shock wave that will destroy the system similar to the one produced by soren at amagrosa i'm curious though how did they all get into the nexus in the first place um because like if good question because if they must have been on a planet, does the that it can it not go? Does it not go in a in a cyclical fashion? Or like because they this well, it's is a the, ribbon. Yeah, so well, it doesn't. Does, well, does this ribbon go on a path? I don't think so. I mean, it's going on a path, but it doesn't go on like a a repeat path. It doesn't continue through the solar system. I don't think so. Mm. I don't know if it's static or what. Because it, it really seems like it's that. coming through their quadrant again, so it must be on some sort of like path. On uh, it goes, it goes, it passes through the Alpha Quadrant. Every every eighty years or so, I'm guessing. They don't say that though, so I don't, I don't know. Yeah, but we're, but that's why I don't understand like what path, like why is it coming through this way again? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, they can chart a path for it, so it's on a trajectory. Yeah. I don't know if it's a repeating trajectory though. Yeah. So I was about to say like, well, could yeah, if he just re- like get back on the planet that he originally got on it in the first place. So now they know where Soren is going. Data points out that if the Viridian star is destroyed, it will also produce a shockwave that will destroy the system, uh, similar to the one that Soren did at uh, Amagrosa. Mm-hmm. Uh, this will claim the lives of some 230 million people living on Viridian 4, uh, which are in like a pre-warp planet. Um, so mm-hmm. knowing that they have to stop Soren, Picard taps his comm badge and orders Worf to take the Enterprise to the Viridian system at maximum warp. Maximum. Finished with his interrogation, Soren returns uh, of Geordi. Uh, Soren returns to the bridge of the Klingon vessel as they enter orbit of Viridian Three. Soon, the Enterprise also arrives, transmitting a message to the cloaked ship demanding the return of Geordi. 
Irritated by the interruption, Soren orders uh, the Dura sisters to destroy the Enterprise, but they remind him that their bird of prey would stand no chance in battle against a galaxy-class starship. Soren cryptically has a solution in mind to give the sisters an edge, an idea which he says involves LaForge. He's like, maybe it's time to get LaForge and his visor. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, I, I don't like this part just because no, it's, it's like... I do only because it has the Dura sisters and I want to get sloppy up in their faces. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh. But it's just like funny, like... um. Like he like he's dealing with this like he's through the, at the final phase of his plan, mm-hmm. and he decides to take this sort of like little side thing to just like fuck with Jordy's visor and sabotage it. Yes, and and he's like and he's fascinated by it. Like I feel like given what he's trying to accomplish, it would be small potatoes. Yeah, and he's an El Orion. Like they're supposed to be super advanced. Like they live forever. Mm. Yeah. Like come on, man. Come on now. Come on, man. So. On the bridge of the Enterprise, the Klingon vessel decloaks on screen, and Lursa and Bator, the Dura sisters, greet the captain. Claiming they have merely had LaForge as a guest aboard their ship, they agree to a prisoner exchange, taking Jean-Luc in his place. Jean-Luc. First, however, they agree to allow Picard to beam to Soren's present location, somewhere on the planet's surface. As the captain beams down, a stricken LaForge rematerializes on the Enterprise transporter pad and promptly collapses. Mm-hmm. Dr. Crusher and Nurse Alyssa Agawa rush to his aid. I like how they have Nurse Agawa in this. Yeah, yeah. We haven't seen her in a while. Yeah, and she's just, but she doesn't have any lines no, of, of any not. kind. And no. she's just like, yeah. So like, isn't, like, I feel like Nurse Chapel is in one or two of the fucking TOS films, but I don't mm-hmm. think they have any lines for her. Or maybe one. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But she, but yeah, like, yeah, it's good, cool to see her. But even though she had, she's, they just had her in as a background actor, basically. No, it's fine. Yeah. At least they're giving her screen time. It's, I mean, yeah. more, more fucking purchase than they gave to fucking like O'Brien. Or <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sucks, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, although I guess O'Brien, well, I don't know. Yeah, O'Brien is. Yeah, over on DS9 at this mm. point. That that is true, because uh, this is before, right before, Worf goes over. Um, so, <clears throat> in space, the Dura sisters watch their view screen and see from the perspective of Jordy LaForge's modified visor. Um, oh, I'm sorry, I I missed something. Uh, so, appearing on an arid desert mountaintop, Picard finds Soren hard at work on a solar probe launcher. Attempting to reach the scientist, Picard is blocked by a huge force field. Keeping his distance, the captain appeals to Soren, but the Elarian is unconvinced and tells him not to come any closer, as the force field will fry him to a crisp. Mm-hmm. And he says it's like uh, 50 gigawatts or something like mm-hmm. that. So, uh, so on the Enterprise, Data visits LaForge to apologize for being too frightened to help him on the observatory. But LaForge assures him... Uh, that he understands and notes Data is now acting a lot more like a human. Yeah, and but what he should be apologizing for is his stupid-ass comedy routine that he was doing. 100%. Does we, not apologize for that. No, I mean, <laughs> fucking... I mean, and especially, like... But given this is, I mean, chronologically at least pre-Melonhead... And, uh, oh, yeah, it is. I mean, so this is before the real comedy revolution. So this might have actually been kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I don't find it funny personally, but, like, no. I've seen Melonhead. So, like, yeah. 
I know future comedy, and I know nothing really stacks up. Yeah, they didn't really get to know, like, uh, Starfleet really didn't get to know about Melonhead until the return of Voyager. Exactly. So, like, they, and, and that was in their logs, and so, that's like... Why, that's why um, um, Janeway was promoted to Admiral, because they were just like, you have changed us. You have redefined, you have helped us redefine how, what we consider comedy. You are the rear Admiral <laughs> of laughs. Of laughs. <laughs> And they're just she just got instantly promoted to admiral for that. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> that that time shit you did, uh suborb conduits, Borg stuff, pretty cool. But killed Tuvix. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what you also killed? This fucking crowd tonight. This mm-hmm. fucking crowd in here. And they fucking love you. Let's get Melonhead here now. <laughs> uh he's dead. <laughs> oh well, his art lives on. <laughs> Well, we'll uh, just get Dennis Leary to do a set then. (laughs) (laughs) Or or they just bring back hologram Melonhead. (laughs) Um, That's that's who ends up teaching um, data about comedy instead of Joe Piscopo. (laughs) I forgot the Joe Piscopo. That sucked. That episode (laughs) fucking sucks, man. Oh, wow. So full of happiness, data reports to his station... Uh, to aid in the search for Picard and is so jubilant he pays uh, sorry plays his console like a piano as he scans for life forms causing the whole bridge crew to stare at him and be like dude what what what's what's my man's doing grab your mans grab your mans hmm. so in space the Dura sisters watch their view screen and see from the perspective of Jordy LaForge's modified visor which apparently um, fucking Soren like put a, a the thing in to where they could just see what he's seeing, which is like, okay, that's fine. Yeah, why would he think of this? It's just so bizarre. It, it is so bizarre, and it's like a weird aside that's like there's a million other ways they could have spied on them. Also, like, yeah, like he does not give a fuck. No. Like he could give, like all he wanted was, um, uh, like uh, what he needs to bring himself into the Nexus. Yeah, he just wants to be in the Sexus. That's it. Yeah, he just wants to be in the Sexus. Like, like helping, like also just like giving them like an advantage for free. Mm-hmm. Just it's like, I mean, they obviously didn't really help him at all. Like just like, like doing his thing. So it's like, why does he care what happens? Like he's just he's like, yeah, I'm I'm fucking destroying this star and I'm fucking going to the Sexus. Peace, bitches. Like I don't mm-hmm. give a fuck. Right. <laughs> So uh, they watch, uh, the Dura sisters watch impatiently as Jordy moves from sickbay to his quarters, then finally to engineering. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's, um, I guess they took out an extended scene here where he goes to his quarters and masturbates for about 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were, the producers were like, the runtime should be like under two hours. And it's like almost two and a half hours. Actually, it was released, but yeah, I mean, you know, you said like your French version. French film yeah. version, like it was. This is their version that was released in France. Oh, like, it's just called uh, La Forge Picard. La Forge Picard. La Forge Picard. And uh, <laughs> and, and it was like it got a standing ovation. And yeah. now there's now a copy um, that's, well, that plays the, on, on constant loop in the loop. It would have been a standing ovation, <laughs> but uh, the whole crowd was too hard to stand. Yeah, so. they're too hard to stand. It was, yeah. a, it was a kneeling ovation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Writing down kneeling ovation. Okay. <laughs> um, so, uh, as the engineer checks several readouts, the sisters discover what they've been looking for. Uh, 
the exact shield modulation on the Enterprise. With this new knowledge, they will be able to fire through the Enterprise's shields by adjusting their torpedo frequency. Which... It's fine. But also, like, rotating the shield frequency has been something that they've had since the Borg. Yeah, 100%. And it's like, and it's something that should not be that big of an issue. Like, they can get one hit on them. Mm -hmm. But after that, like, they would, after realizing that they're, that their torpedoes match the shield frequency. Mm -hmm. They change it. Yeah. They change it. It's, yeah. not, it's, it's not like it's like a hard thing to do. Yeah. And they don't. Nope. <laughs> so we'll see. So on the Enterprise bridge, the search for Captain Picard on the planet below is interrupted as the bird of prey opens fire with to photon torpedoes, which pass straight through the shields to hit the secondary hole of the Enterprise. Hell yeah, secondary hole. Mm-hmm. Um, Disruptor blasts likewise pass directly through, hitting the port side nacelle. The Enterprise returns fire, but the Klingon shields hold up against their phasers. The bridge is engulfed in explosions, injuring Jay, the con officer, who we do not care about. No. Riker orders Counselor Troy to take the helm and to get the ship out of orbit. But the Duras sisters' assault is relentless. Also, as you know, at that point uh, in, in the filming of the scene, mm -hmm. um... There was actually during that explosion scene, a a very piece piece of hot metal had landed on the, on the helms officer seat. Oh, and Deanna Troy, and they kept the scene in there. Mm -hmm. That's why it cuts the, immediately as she goes over there, mm -hmm. because she sat, she burned her ass. Oh no, <laughs> she burned her ass. We, I mean, we all know, <laughs> we all know Deanna Troy has got a hot ass. She right? do, but, but literally hot what? ass. But I, 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 I guess it burned her, but not too bad. But mm. but uh, but they didn't realize like during that scene, like during the the explosion, yeah, some hot piece of material. You there. know, Frakes was like, "Kiss it, make it better." <laughs> kiss it, make it better. No, he's been married to the same woman since 1988. Oh, yeah, good for him. Yeah, he's, I can see. I, he's, I, he's, he's, he, a, he's a he's he's a wife guy. Yeah, I bet he's big, a big time huge, wife guy. Yeah, super big wife guy. Wife guy. Like like uh, look up like pictures of him and his wife they're always just hanging out and smiling together are they wearing matching outfits no no uh, not, not quite there but they they are definitely a very cute couple mm. they they were on the same like soap opera in the 80s together oh uh, damn they met that that long ago oh yeah long, that's long. crazy yeah, he he got married like the second season of fucking uh, TNG. Mm, There's some pictures of uh, like the rest of the cast celebrating with him and stuff. It's pretty fun. Yeah, I, I've seen pictures of them. I think they all went to uh, uh, Lavar's uh, yeah. wedding as well. Yeah, uh, Lavar um, famously, there was a whole fiasco with a beard. Uh, I don't know if you heard about this, but uh, Rick Berman wouldn't let uh, LaForge grow a beard. Yeah, yeah, he he does have a beard briefly. He does, one, yeah. Out. But uh, so like eventually, he convinced him to let him grow a beard for his wedding, and that's when he had the beard in the show. Mm. It's just like briefly because of that, because <laughs> Rick Berman is a fucking cocksucker and weird. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess he's like, no, there can only be one guy with a beard on this show. Yeah, it's like I I think we can tell Jordy and Riker apart. <laughs> yeah. I'm not. I'm not having any issues there. Yeah, you? Well, let them all. Let them all have beards. Who fucking yeah, cares? Who, yeah, they're all very distinct characters, and yeah. we know their relationships and who they are. They're like everyone on that show could grow a beard, and I would still know exactly who everyone is at all times. That is funny that he wanted a beard for his wedding photos. Maybe he wanted to look like maybe older or something, or uh, like Riker. 
Or like Riker, yeah. yeah. It's like, Call me Riker during their wedding yeah, night. Yeah, I, I need my wedding photos to look like I'm going to raw my wife all fucking honeymoon. <laughs> yeah. So I think I should go for the Riker look. Oh, maybe he wants a flavor saver for the for the wedding oh, night. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Oh, yeah. He's like... The, the, the womb broom. The womb broom. He wants to... Yeah, he just wants to suck on that beard after, oh, afterwards. Yeah. He wants to put that womb broom up in the boom boom. <laughs> so... Uh, the Duras' sister's salt is relentless, and they pursue the helpless enterprise, firing nonstop, which is why I want to get sloppy with those bitches. Oh yeah, like I would, I would like straight up switch with them, and I don't, I don't, <laughs> I ain't switch for nobody. Mm. I, I, yeah, I would let them like put things in me and see what happens. It'd yeah, cool. um, they are, they are babes. They yeah, which are. one died? Did Lursa or Bator die? About a few years ago. Oh, oh, they're talking the actress. The actresses. Yeah. I was like, what? Yeah, yeah, no, no. <laughs> they, uh, it's pr- pretty not ambiguous. Um, uh, I don't know. That's yeah, I can't so. remember which one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of them died a few years ago. Bummer. Yeah. I bet she had. I bet she had a dank pussy dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I had R.I.P. A dank, had a dank pussy in life. Had a dank pussy in death. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. R.I.P. Remember inspirational <laughs> pussy. <laughs> Uh, um, so Riker asks Worf if their ship any older model has any exploitable exploitable weaknesses and Worf states that their bird of prey is a class D12 like M&M's band uh, retired because of defective plasma coils he doesn't know how they could use that information but the plasma coil is a part of the D12's cloaking device oh D12 uh, blue pills. and pillow, purple pills. I have the pliers, mountain. Yeah. My yeah. band, my band, my band, my band. Was there a reason why they just weren't firing every single thing they had at them? <laughs> well, because they were either cloaked or their shields were holding. Yeah. Oh, yeah, maybe. So they were looking for, like, a way to get through their shields. Mm. Oh, that's, yeah. So Riker asked Data of what effect an ionic pulse aimed at a defective plasma coil would have. Enthusiastically, Data realizes that a low-level pulse could reset the coil and trigger the ship's cloaking device, disabling its shields and its weapons at once. As the Duras Duras sisters continue their onslaught, Riker orders Worf to target their primary reactor with photon torpedoes. They will only be vulnerable for a few seconds at best, and this is the Enterprise's only chance. Making a few quick modifications, Data triggers the pulse just as a direct hit from the Klingons causes an afterbridge terminal to explode, hurling the hapless crew member manning it over the tactical station and down onto the command chairs, which yeah. is actually pretty sick. Yeah, they took some pretty serious hits. Yeah, they did. like I was like <laughs> I was like saw the uh, the uh, the stunt man just like fucking like just like land on his neck, basically. I'm like mm-hmm. fuck that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they had some pretty 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 brutal, brutal mm-hmm. takedowns here. Um, aboard the Bird of Prey, Lursa and Bethor triumphantly order the weapons targeted at the Enterprise's bridge to deal the final death blow. When their bridge officer reports with alarm that their cloaking device is engaging and their shields are dropping suddenly, Mm. the sisters are allowed only a few seconds of horrified realization before the Enterprise fires a single photon torpedo from the aft torpedo launcher. And their vessel is completely destroyed, killing Lursa and Vitor in a fiery explosion. Yeah, reusing the 
Blackwing got the Bird of Prey explosion from, from six. Six. Yep. Exact same one. <laughs> it's great. I mean, it looks great. It looks great. Uh, yeah. But it's the obviously the exact same one. Yeah. I don't think they even switch the angle or anything. No, it's kind of like how in like a lot of TV shows they always reuse the same um, uh, footage of a of a car going off a cliff. True. Yeah. <laughs> it's just they're just like you know what. That that car go that that bird of prey you know exploding pretty sick. Let's just use it for everything. Yeah. So the Enterprise crew stares silently at the remains of the destroyed ship as Data triumphantly exclaims, "Yes." Uh, Riker is obviously distraught and torn apart because he never got at either of those sisters' pussies. No. I mean they've they've got four evil pussies. Yeah. And he didn't even get to. So you want and them. we all know evil pussy is the best pussy. Evil pussy is incredible. <laughs> it's like straight up like like the be- the best fuck I've ever had was like an emotionally distant like uh selfish uncaring person mm. that was just f- could fucking like your pussy was got, like sticking like your dick in a wet vacuum cleaner man. <laughs> 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 it's like it's just like that fucking grip strength was just like what is hap that that human bodies can't do that <laughs> ah, extraction method <laughs> you know um yeah we love evil pussy don't we folks yeah. like i mean we don't love evil people and um but they're pussies pussies hey buddy you know yeah <laughs> it's like uh, f- uh yeah, if you're if you're a terrible piece of shit, hit me up in the DMs. I won't add that hole. You know what I'm saying? So me, uh, the Enterprise crew stares silently at the uh, ship, and Data's like, "Yes, yeah," because you know he doesn't care about that pussy. He's no, got no. he's got emotions, but as we've one of them isn't horny, because otherwise he'd be like, "God, I bet like the things they can do with their evil mouths." Mm-hmm. Goddamn. Yeah, he's. Yeah, that that would be funny though if he is experiencing horniness and then just ha- still has his like um, his pre cum erection. <laughs> just, <laughs> I'm just, just, like, just slowly uh, leaking all over. Into there's him. just like a growing, like even blacker stain <laughs> on his pants <laughs> with like a salt ring around it. Looks like fucking. Because at this point it's dried. Yeah. <laughs> looks, looks like he was actually like a gargling water for a sore throat and actually <laughs> spilled it all over his pants or something. Yeah, it's been several hours. So like the, the, the first initial one has since dried over and like created this created like this little white ring. <laughs> it, looks, it looks like a dried up lake from, yeah. from a cartography perspective. <laughs> and everyone's just kind of like they're all like, you know, basking in the in the in the in the in the glory of battle, and they still like, is he gonna take care of that at some point? Like, <laughs> it's like completely deflated by just like the fact that like that uh, Data is just standing there with a giant erection. <laughs> he's, he's like, he doesn't. He still doesn't understand like the refractory period and that emotion. So he's like running into consoles with it, and he's like, ah, ah, ah. I, st- I stubbed my dick. Ah. <laughs> It, it feels bad when I touch it now. Ah, it's so sensitive. Eh? Doesn't uh, understand proximity to people when he's talking. <laughs> just They're like, whoa, 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 guys, okay, stop! <laughs> <laughs> you're in, you're in my thigh right now. <laughs> Data, you're in my pussy. Take it out. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, on Viridian Three, Picard carefully walks around the force field's edge. As Soren continues to work on his probe, 
We love probes and edging, don't we, folks? Yeah, we do. Picard nonchalantly throws a small rock into the force field, prompting Soren to look up and ask if Picard has got anything better to do. He's on, like, an abandoned planet. Of course not. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, he's, like, trapped there. Like, he's like, I've already masturbated seven times in the last two hours. <laughs> also, I do like that the fact that the that the Dura sisters agreed to the conditions of the prisoner exchange. Yeah. Like, hey, I'm more than happy to fucking exchange prisoners. I just got to do this thing first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like, what? why would you agree to that? Very strange. Yeah. They, they need that trilithium to take over the fucking Klingon Empire. Yeah, there's there's a lot, a lot of stuff in the plot that does not make sense and like that no character would do. And like, like why, like why would like Ed, during this prisoner exchange where they clearly have the have the um, upper hand agree to these conditions? Like, I will say this: <laughs> we all make bad decisions when we're horny. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, that's true. And I feel like everyone is like. At least a nine out of ten ready to bust on this mm. film, right? Yeah, yeah. Except for maybe Troy's not very horny. No. Not very horny at all. Yeah, strangely enough, she's not. And she's comes from the horny race. Yeah, and exactly. Like, yeah, usually she's like, oh, fucking is Maudie my ass? Yeah. Hole, but she's not, but I don't know. She's not as, she's not, I think it's sort of like, like a kid's acting out. You know, her since her mom is super horny, she's like, I am not super horny. Right. That yeah. makes sense, Scott. Yeah. Her mom is so, <laughs> yeah. her mom's the number one horn dog in the in the universe. Oh hell yeah. So, like, that, that is the wettest hole in the, the Alpha <laughs> Quadrant, at least. Yeah, so she's she's distinctly always never horny. But mm, interesting. Uh, but uh yeah, but uh everyone else, especially Data, of course, but their sisters, possibly that's why they were just like, Yeah, sure, just go do your thing. Yeah. Possibly like and you would wonder like especially like since Sauron did this did this solid for them giving mm-hmm. them like Jordy's uh sabotaging Jordy's visor so they could see through it mm-hmm. like and then like then what do what do they do in return they fucking beam down someone that's trying to stop him actively stop him that is very strange <laughs> like why like so and he's and he just regards. I mean, I guess he doesn't realize that they that he's there because of the Dura sisters. But still, mm-hmm. it's just like I feel like a part of the reason why he did that was to keep them occupied while he did his. Yeah, it's a very strange set of decisions that everyone makes here. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's obviously like just put in there to like push the story along, and it's yeah. not a very good story. So no, I mean it's something like when I first watched this in theaters, like you know, mm-hmm. I did not notice. I didn't notice like the 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 costumes which we'll probably get into the yeah. we're gonna get into the other episode but like uh, I didn't notice the costumes and I didn't notice all these like glaring potholes I just thought this movie fucking ruled <laughs> indeed um, yeah I remembered it super fondly as well but uh, watching it twice in the last few days mm-hmm. um not so fond anymore no not so fond yeah I watched it uh, when I had COVID and um, mm. Like I rewatched it. I, I think I'd rewatched it like a couple more times. It still just never picked up on a lot of dumb shit. But, but yeah, like when I watched it during COVID, I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Soren asks Picard if he's got anything better to do. At that, Picard sits down and Soren resumes working. While Soren is distracted, Picard notices a small hole in the rocks and tosses another rock through it and sees the force field does not cover it, providing a way in. Picard waits for Soren to move away so he can try to get through that hole unnoticed. Which, <laughs> I mean, tell me about it, brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've all been there. Yeah. And 
Yeah, and they wake up and <laughs> what are you doing in my house? <laughs> Who, Who are, are you? you? Uh, well, you know, you know I'm this dialing, guy. I'm dialing nine one one. This guy right here. <laughs> um, yeah. So at that regard, uh, uh, in engineering on the Enterprise, LaForge finds a new problem. Data's horny. <laughs> uh, the magnetic interlocks have been ruptured and while he's reporting this to Riker plasma coolant begins violently leaking out of the warp core just like pre-cum out of a hot girl's cock mm. evacuating engineering LaForge tells Riker that he can't shut it down and gives an estimate of five minutes until he comes I'm sorry, warp core breach. <laughs> That's my personal notes. Mm -hmm. uh, rolling out of engineering as uh, the last one out just in time before the isolation door comes down to the floor. On the bridge, Riker orders Troy to evacuate everyone to the saucer section and Data to prepare to separate the ship, the bottom from the saucer. The crew and their families hurry to evacuate their doomed star drive section with Dr. Crusher leading her staff and patients out of sick bay and LaForge guiding the crew to safer locations. Why aren't they just warping? Yeah. <laughs> also, this is bringing up like also like one thing I was like really taken by like, you know, you watch other movies that, you know, done by like people who are like, you know, super into gear gearhead type stuff that they that they, when they create like a fictional universe james cameron james cameron um stanley kubrick you know did that with 2001 very just like like very like thinks about what kind of safety precautions and what kind of like uh stuff would be in sort of this sort of world mm -hmm. that, like you know given like their circumstances and what they what they would need in these sort of situations like and we're seeing like there as for as for emergencies go mm -hmm. on starfleet ships woefully inadequate <laughs> well and I, I think that yeah that is a major problem with basically i mean most of the star trek films yeah is instead of like creating a story within the lush full world of star trek mm -hmm. they are creating a story and making that star trek yeah and so they're 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 trying to set the tone instead of work with the tone yeah and yeah it's just like you know i mean and also, like you know, a lot of the fighting isn't like the main point of Star Trek, Definitely but not. but it's just like, but yeah, you would imagine like a um, uh, uh, a galaxy class Starfleet vessel with children on it mm -hmm. to have um to have like safety protocols and like some like something like you know like seats that mm -hmm. would like with belts you know straps like some sort of like uh um head cover. That could come out of the walls of some or something in case of a, like an emer emergency or crash, you know, landing, mm -hmm. like to make sure everyone's safe because like there's literally no seat belts on this fucking thing. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, with with gravimetric controls and stuff, I figure they have something ish, maybe. I don't yeah, because uh, I think it does. They does like uh, take, you know, consider like oh well, the uh, always uh, expects that like they'll never have this sort of like situation. Mm -hmm. Like that's what it looks like. It's like kind of like the Titanic. <laughs> it's like where it's like but when shit actually goes down and they're just like they have a whole bunch of screaming children mm -hmm. and like they're on the bridge being fucking tossed around like they have no fucking like seats or safety safety protocols that are that are in place for these things and they're just like instead they're just like being thrust <laughs> and like basically breaking every bone in their body just being tossed around this like Ship. It'd be it'd be great if like they revealed later that like uh Khan um 
Noonien uh, Singh was actually like the leader of OSHA. And so they like <laughs> banned along with the, you know, human augmentation, uh, all safety protocols yeah. for work. Like they're like, no, that's some augment shit. <laughs> that's no, some augment, that's, though. That's what caused World War Three. We don't do that. Yeah, of course this thing, this ship's never going to crash. Like, yeah. yeah, I mean, we have a bunch of children on here. Why do we need, like, some straps that just to come out of the walls or, like, that help uh, secure them in case of in case of a crash landing or anything? <laughs> yeah, they, they, uh, they were, like, going through the ship with uh, the final inspection, and they're like, oh, uh, okay, Picard, so uh, one, th- one thing we noticed... There's like no child safety features. <laughs> yeah. I'm not fond of children. <laughs> we we dissolved OSHA back <laughs> back in the in the early 2000s. <laughs> like we don't need we don't need OSHA. Yes. Fuck you. I want the boy to die. I want the boy to die. <laughs> Where's Wesley? He's my he's, he's my safety cushion. Throw him in the warp core. <laughs> yeah, it's just tossing children into the warp core. <laughs> If we sacrifice enough children to it. Oh, oh, I don't know what happened to all the children on the ship. <laughs> Must be a space anomaly, right, everyone? But yeah, that that just makes this whole, like, yeah, the scene, this whole scene just horrifying, just watching. Like, it, just imagine how scary that would be. Like, you know, just, it's, plane crashes are scary enough. Hmm. <laughs> imagine, like, it's a galaxy. Plane crash in space. <laughs> yeah, a galaxy-class starship going from orbit <laughs> into a planet. Yeah, right. Like, that'd be terrifying. It certainly would. So is the breach nears critical, and with the crew cleared of the star drive section, the ship separates and begins to move out of range. However, just as Troy begins engaging the impulse engines, the core breaches prematurely, which uh, I did once or twice because of the Dura sisters, Mm -hmm. uh, completely destroying the damaged star drive section of the Enterprise and creating an ion shockwave that disables the entire saucer section, including all home controls, and pushes the saucer into the atmosphere of Viridian 3. Mm-hmm. On the bridge, the Enterprise crew watches in horror as they begin to plummet towards the surface of the planet. Data, for the first time, swears and says, <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. Put, everyone put on your seatbelts. Seatbelts? <laughs> and that's why he screams, oh, shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... Or that, or he just, like, finally defecated for the first time. <laughs> or or he like, came. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> he, he comes, he's like, oh, uh, oh, God. Curious, Captain. I feel warm on the back of my legs. Sir, I'm I'm terrified, and yet I've come. <laughs> I, think my, I think my chip is malfunctioning. <laughs> no, no, Data, I think it's working just fine. I think you're just a little sissy. <laughs> <laughs> I think I can bully you into coming. <laughs> Isn't that right, you little android bitch? <laughs> uh, um. As Picard climbs through a hole in Soren's force field, wink, wink, nudge, yeah, nudge. About. Uh, he jostles the rocks which set off the field. Wink, wink, nudge, <laughs> nudge. Uh, Soren spotting Picard caught in the hole. Oh, wink, wink, <laughs> nudge, nudge. Fires his weapons, sending rocks raining down on the captain. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh, careening out of control towards the planet, the bridge crew of the Enterprise desperately attempt to regain control of what's left of the Enterprise as the rest of the crew seek safety as best they can on the lower decks. Data is able to reroute the remaining auxiliary power to the lateral thrusters in an attempt to stabilize the Enterprise descent, as Riker warns the crew to brace for impact. Uh, impact wrestling, that is. <laughs> um, 
No one gets that reference. As the ground rushes towards them on the view screen, the saucer impacts off a slight rise in the terrain, briefly forcing it back into the air. As the crew fights to regain control, the saucer nosedives into a large hill, destroying all remaining ship functions and knocking the crew to the deck. And I can't stress enough how much time they take to show <laughs> yeah. the Enterprise crashing. It's got to be like 10 minutes worth of sequences cut in between like all the other scenes yeah. that are happening here. And it sucks, man. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's fine. It's good model work, I guess, yeah. or CGI, whatever they're using here. It looks fine. I think it was actually a model. It looks good. It's just like like Star Trek, the motion picture. It's like you're taking too much time on it. I want more story. You know? Yeah. And, and, and constantly cutting to like the kids just under like a, uh, under a table. Yeah. <laughs> like while, while debris just falls on top of their heads. Mm -hmm. It's just like, yeah. And, uh, and I do like, yeah, it shows like, yeah, uh, data, which I think was, I thought was a cool scene. Like data covers Deanna and yeah. stuff falls on top of him, but he mm -hmm. can deflect it. But right. yeah, too, too long of a scene. And, uh, I mean, it looked cool. I thought, but yeah, it was, I mean, yeah, it was cool visually. It's just, it was way too fucking long. Just like Star Trek, the motion picture. They didn't yes. learn any of the lessons of that. Of like, mm -hmm. maybe don't show the starship doing one thing for 10 minutes. Yeah. Like, that's boring. Yeah. That's filler, man. <laughs> and they didn't have to do it. Like, they could have made this movie actually a really tight hour and a half, I think. Yeah. But they're like, no, we need a two-hour runtime. It needs mm -hmm. to be epic. Yeah. Gotta be epic, but instead it was just boring. <laughs> um. So, with their fate now left to chance and only chance, the bridge crew protects themselves any way they can as the Enterprise skids through a heavily forested area, cutting a large swath of destruction in its path. Fires burn and structural supports rain down from the top of the bridge as the crew weathers the horrific ride, completely sensor-blind and only lit by the fires in emergency lighting. And worse flashlight. Uh, oh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Worf's flashlight, but also um, Data's fleshlight as well. Um, it, it has a big LED in it. <laughs> With one final lurch forward, the momentum slows and the saucer finally comes to a stop. Data and Troy regain their senses first and survey the damage. What was once an immaculate nerve center for the flagship of the Federation is now completely destroyed. The large view screen has been shattered. Consoles and displays are burnt out. Chairs have been ripped out of the deck, and the only light comes from the broken top of the bridge dome as the blue viridian sky shines in from above. The USS Enterprise D is lost. Is done. Yep. D fuck. for done. Fucking donezo. Enterprise dead. Mm, fuck you. Yeah. Fucking suck a dick, Enterprise <laughs> D. You were great for seven years, but uh, you know what? That's all I got. Oh, well. Oh, yeah. It's uh, three more years in Enterprise got you, dumb bitch. <laughs> oh, miles away from the crash site, and not Miles O'Brien. <laughs> Dr. Soren looks out over the rugged terrain of Viridian's Desert, only to be surprised by Picard, who attacks him outright. And this is just, like, dumb. He, like, out of nowhere, Picard just, like, f starts fighting him on, like, a rickety old bridge. I'm like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he doesn't doesn't take advantage of the fact that he thinks he's dead. No, like he could have like gotten him from behind, just like oh, put I, be, him, <laughs> I bet he, I bet he would have liked that. <laughs> but he could have put him into a chokehold or something. Instead, he's like, "I'll face you, face to man to man." But yeah, it's like, but I do like they do it convincingly. Like they, Picard sucks at fighting. 
Picard does suck <laughs> at fighting. Like he's good at fencing. Yeah, but he's just like handedly gets his ass given to him. By, oh yeah, because uh, he's a, he, yeah, it's like he's got he's got the three hundred year old man strength. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> like uh yeah and like and, and that's what I do like, but like you know with the rest of the TNG films, he's seen as like this unstoppable Rambo type character. Right, and uh, so. At least with this one, they have some restraint when right. it comes to his I mean, character before honestly, he becomes like a murder yeah, hobo. I would have loved like if Picard, the like he always tried to be an action hero, but he always got like handily his ass kicked. <laughs> yeah, that would have been a very funny like motif in all of the TNG films. Yeah, like even if it wasn't intentional, like we love mm-hmm. when like a captain gets their ass beat. You know? Yeah. Yeah, he's kind of doing like a John McClane type shit in the other films, mm, you know, doing much. doing like uh doing uh one liners and and kill and shooting people up and, and shit, like yeah, crawling through vents and shit. Yeah. So the two men struggle, and Picard manages to disarm Soren quickly, but is knocked back by Soren's blows and <sighs> sorry, and thrown down a hill, landing face down in rock and sand as the Nexus appears in the sky. Picard recovers and tries again to get up to the launcher to stop the countdown. However, he is too late as Soren's launcher engages and his solar probe streams into the sky. Watching from the surface, Picard is horrified as the probe finds its target and the star is destroyed, darkening the sun in mere seconds. Which would probably freeze him to death. (laughs) Yeah, it really would. Um, Yeah, like with no sunlight whatsoever, like things could get bad and cold very quickly yeah because like that would instantly be uh um feel like there wouldn't be any kind of residual heat i think <laughs> like it would just constantly it would instantly like you i mean like the, the heat would be still trapped by the atmosphere so there would be that but yeah. that's it yeah like and yeah they are only there for brief seconds so mm-hmm. so uh soren climbs to a high platform and throws his arms into the air as the nexus changes its course Sweeping down towards the ground, the, rim, blah, the ribbon envelops everything, taking Soren and Picard along with it. Gliding away from the planet and out into space, the Nexus departs the system just before the shockwave hits, which destroys the entire planet, taking the Enterprise saucer section, its crew, as well as the rest of the solar system, with it. Soren has succeeded. Mm. What? Where is this? Where am I? Captain Picard voice echoes as he transitions from the real real world to the Nexus. A hand touches him. uh, Sorry, a a hand reaches towards him from space and removes his blindfold to suddenly find himself in a Victorian-style house where his wife and children greet him on Christmas morning. Picard quickly allows himself to be absorbed into the fantasy, enjoying a perfect life with a wonderful family. Renee, also present, not dead now, gives Picard a gift. Picard happily receives it, then, remembering what happened, gives his nephew a loving hug before sending him to help his aunt. I do like how they're all dressed like they're in a Christmas carol. It's stupid. It's so dumb. They're all wearing, like, 18th century, like, or 19th century. It doesn't make any, yeah, it's like... Yeah, of course we're going to be... God bless us, everyone. Yeah, we're going to go back to wearing, like, 11-piece suits, sure. Yeah, yeah. That, that makes sense. Well, that's why I think, yeah, this is, like, since, you know, Picard is so into, like, um, you know, old ancient literature to his mm-hmm. to his perspective. Like, you know, like, he does have, like, you know, a hard-on for, um, uh, you know, the old-timey, like, you know, Oliver, Oliver Twist type oh, shit. Oh, he's like... 
All right, children, this year we're uh, going to, um, this Christmas, we're going to cosplay a Christmas carol. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be Scrooge, and I'm not going to give you fucking shit. <laughs> yeah. Go, get us the biggest goose in the store. And, and then one of you can be crippled. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be Renee. Uh, yep, Renee, hold your leg out. I'm going to go get the beaten hammer. <laughs> going to go get the leg hammer. <laughs> get that leg hammer. You're going you're gonna to walk with a crutch, whether you like it or not. <laughs> But yeah, it's 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 just, just kind of funny, like uh, just like this 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 is the fantasy that he has for himself. Like he doesn't he doesn't imagine the sexist at all. No, like he 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 gets no, he could he could he could literally have two Beverly Crushers. Yeah, and instead he's like, I want to be in a Christmas Carol. <laughs> yeah, I want to. Dude, wanna... you already started a made-for-TV version of it. Come on. Yeah, and also like this is like I don't know he. Like he imagines himself with a wife, you know, he has his own children in this fantasy and stuff like that, and I don't know, it just which this is so which tells you like his only real fantasy is like actually being able to come in a woman, <laughs> <laughs> which he has in the past. We've seen him had we seen we him think the, we think yeah we think. yeah they all those times that he wakes up with next to Vash or something like he was actually they actually just took a nap together. Right, right. Yeah. Vash the gash baby. <laughs> um, so. Uh, later Picard strolls through his new home into a study and to large bay windows overlooking snow-covered trees decorated with colorful lights and bulbs. Standing at the windows, Picard finds himself staring into a strange, surrealistic world. The bulbs on the trees containing small stars that fa- flash brilliant bursts of light and begins to realize that something is wrong. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, he turns to find Guinan standing behind him in the study. The Elarian bartender tells the captain that she exists both here and in the real world, a part of herself she left behind so many years ago, an echo of her former self. Picard is unable to believe how perfect the fantasy is around him, knowing that although he never had a family, he knows the children are his own. Guinan tells him, in the Nexus, time has no meaning, so he can travel to any point in his children's past or future as he wishes. He's like, I want to see the first time they fuck. <laughs> They're like, Neelix, what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just cooking something up, <laughs> Mr. Captain. Let him cook. Let him cook. <laughs> so with the appearance of Guinan, Picard is at first divided, tempted by the prospect of staying in the Nexus, and living out his fantasy life. But he soon realizes that action must be taken to save the hundreds of millions of people who would be killed if Soren destroys the Viridian Star and asks Guinan if he can leave the Nexus. Guinan tells him that the timeless nature of the Nexus would allow him to go any place and at any time. Picard knows exactly where he wants to go. To porn. (laughs) Well, and also this... (sighs) This doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Like the like the nexus is easy enough where the only you could leave at any time you want. Mm-hmm. Like it's all this whole whole rigmarole to like fucking get in the fucking thing, and then to, but to leave, you know, you can just like okay, I just want to leave right now. Yeah, and it's super weird. So yeah, there's a lot that just doesn't make sense, especially for a smart guy like Picard. So. He knows where he wants to go. He says, I want to go to the mountaintop on Viridian 3 to stop Soren from destroying the star, but I'm going to need some help. Which is like, 
there are so many points in the past you could go back to to prevent Soren from doing any of this. Like, I don't know. To go into 10 forward and be like, arrest that man. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> or, or maybe even a better, like, actually altruistic idea. Like, he could go back in time to when uh, Soren and his people were not able to be saved and, like, save them before that. Well, I think the implication he has to, if, uh, like, the be- he has to go, it's best for him to go somewhere that he already exists. Because he could, if he went Who back, cares? if he went, if he went back to a point, they don't say that though. I mean, well, well, then how? Well, then how does he get back to his normal time? It doesn't matter. He'd, <laughs> he'd be the hero. He'd actually save everybody. All right. Yeah, but, I mean, but because that's the thing is like he's so like caught up on like being back in his normal time. I gotta, I gotta save things in a way that like my life won't be impacted by it. Yeah. Well, and because and yeah, going back to just facing Sauron again like was he gonna do just not just decide not to get his ass kicked exactly <laughs> like, exactly and it's like so it's like I mean there's so many points in history where he could have gone back and you know like when yeah when they first found Sauron like yeah with the 10 forward and everything like yeah he could go onto the ship when they find him and then like Worf just like has like a pair of handcuffs and just yeah. like puts puts him in handcuffs and, and then they put and him just, fucking below in the fucking brig where fucking Worf was you know forced to be in yeah, Picard's slavery fantasy. Yeah, just like just like go to an earlier point when they when they met and just like arrest him instead and just or just like but of course that'd be hard to explain why mm. <laughs> you know you know it'd be kind of like it's just like well he's gonna do some evil thing it's like well what proof do you have of this? <laughs> well, I went back before and uh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> trust me, Tr- I've trust been through me. some weird shit. This one's one of them. Yeah, um, like just trust me. This dude sucks. Like he's gonna he's gonna kill like two hundred million people. Like two hundred thirty million. Two hundred thirty million people. That's that's more than communism. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, no, communism still killed a gorillion. A gorillion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like a uh, gorillion septillion. A gorillion septillion. But yeah, like uh, well, yeah, just like. What he, his idea is stupid. <laughs> yeah, this is. So, uh, Guinan says, uh, as she already exists in the real world, uh, she can't go back with Picard. But she says there is somebody who can help, who, as far as they are concerned, just arrived in the Nexus themselves. Mm. Suddenly, Picard finds himself standing outside a rustic cabin in the woods, daylight shining down through the trees. A few feet away... One Captain James T. Kirk stands, chopping wood with an axe. Seeing Picard, Kirk smiles and says, Beautiful day. Picard agrees and helps Kirk chop some wood. Mm. Kirk is then drawn inside the cabin, saying, uh, Do you smell something burning? Uh, hurrying into the kitchen. Oh, I'm having a stroke. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> looks like someone was trying to cook eggs, which is like, how? how do you... Does anyone ever leave eggs unattended? Yeah. Is that a no one cooks eggs unattended? And keep in mind, this is his fantasy. He wants a he wants a he wants, he wants to be a shitty cook. Right? He wants a, he wants a house where he leaves the stove on and food in the thing so the house burns down. <laughs> That's his thing. It's like I'm I'm just a simple man. I like my house to smell like burnt eggs at all times. <laughs> I want the I want the ever present risk of the house going up in flames. I don't know what it is. It just gets me off. Especially a wooden a wooden uh... I come so hard to those burnt <laughs> eggs. I don't know what it is. Um so, Kirk tells Picard to come on in. This is his house. At least it used to be. He had sold it some years prior. 
Picard steps, and actually that's uh, kind of cleared up. Uh, he sold it to Sulu. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that's revealed in Lower, Lower Decks, Decks yeah. season three. Yeah. Uh, Picard steps inside. You'll get the pony bite. Uh, yeah. uh, Picard <laughs> steps inside and into the kitchen, helping Kirk prepare a fresh set of scrambled Katerian eggs on the stove. Picard hesitates momentarily, then introduces himself as captain of the Enterprise, from which Kirk would consider the 24th century. Kirk is too distracted by the memories of the past to fully take in what Picard is telling him, excited to be in his old home with his beloved dog, Butler, who seemingly died years ago. Mm. A woman calls down to him, and he instantly knows who it is. Antonia, a lost love. That's right, Antonia. Mm -hmm. No, it's definitely it's definitely the twink. It's, oh, it's it's Spock. It's yeah, just, it's, Spock. It's, it's, it's Spock, Spock in a wig. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Antonia yeah. is uh, Spock's a drag name. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Antonia Bologna. <laughs> Antonia Bologna. Um. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, while Kirk is preparing breakfast, Picard asks, how long have you been here? And Kirk, Kirk says he isn't quite sure. One second he was aboard the Enterprise B, the next thing he knew, the bulkhead in front of him had disappeared and he was here, chopping wood, right before Picard walked up. Picard then tells Kirk that history rec records him as dying while saving the Enterprise B, and both of them are caught in some kind of temporal nexus. He then tries telling Kirk of the dire situation on Viridian 3. But as Kirk tries to get his head around the situation, he realizes that he has gone back to the day he told Antonia he was leaving to her to rejoin Starfleet. But this time, he won't make the same mistake. Now he intends to go upstairs and propose to her. Propose that she bring out the gape gloves, that is. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah! <laughs> Uh, the two argue, as Picard tells him that as a Starfleet officer, he has a duty to help him. But Kirk argues that all duty ever got him in the end was an empty house and figures that after all he's done for the galaxy, it owes him a favor. Uh, there's a classic Kirk fucking ego. Yeah. You fucked up so many times, Kirk. <laughs> Shut up. Kirk then enters Antonia's bedroom, noting that this time it's going to be different. Picard follows Kirk up the stairs and after a moment's hesitation, opens the bedroom door and walks into a barn on Earth. This is not your bedroom, Picard half-asks Kirk, who says that it is even better. His <laughs> uncle's barn in Ohio. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh shit. Oh, the magic that's happened in my uncle's barn. This, yeah, like, this is where I lost my ver... Oh, no. Uh -oh. oh, my <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Oh, no. <laughs> he sits, sits down. He's like... I, I thought I needed my pain. I was wrong. I was wrong. I should have listened to Cybok. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. Something about this place just unblocked a, a memory I repressed for many years. <laughs> um, can, can, you, can you please call someone? <laughs> Noting this is a spring day 11 years prior, the day he met Antonia... Kirk grabs a saddle, jumps onto a horse, and gallops out into the rolling hills. Picard, no stranger to horseback riding himself, grabs a saddle and rides after him. Ahead of Picard, Kirk and his horse, Mr. Hands, <laughs> come to a deep ravine. Picard's asshole. <laughs> they come to a deep ravine, all right. Picard dies instantly. <laughs> <laughs> no, it takes it takes a while for the intestinal. Uh, no, that's true. Yeah, internal bleeding to take him, but mm -hmm. it's that day. Um, 
Without equivocation, Kirk jumps the ravine, then turns around and jumps it again, stopping to consider it. As Picard rides up, Kirk knows something is wrong. I must have jumped that 50 times. Scared the hell out of me each time. Except this time, because it isn't real. Nothing here is. Nothing here matters. He looks up and sees Antonia mounted on her own horse on the horizon, waiting. She isn't real either. Kirk moves his horse next to Picard and gives the new Enterprise captain a once-over. Captain of the Enterprise, huh? (laughs) The two men sit on horseback and discuss the situation. Kirk admits that he does not miss the house or the family he never had. He misses his days on the USS Enterprise and offers Picard some advice. To never retire, accept a transfer, or get promoted out of the command chair of the Enterprise. Because it is only as captain of the Enterprise that they can truly make a difference. What is wrong with this man? Yeah. Like this, this man, like he has made his job, his life and is weird and bootlicky and concerning, mm-hmm. even though he is kind of a galaxy boot. <laughs> yeah. It's just like not at rest for like, I mean, it is, it's a show like, you know, he's given, given like his second chance, you know, he's able to, he's uh you know, can make the decision to make the family and, you know, do, do the Sulu thing where he's able to have a work life balance, which he was never able to achieve. He's, he's, he's not gay. He can't. Yeah. (laughs) Instead, he's just like, Nope, I'm married to the job. Mm -hmm. So yeah, married to the job and, uh, the crude holodeck women. uh, You know, if you, uh, if you have the right codes, you can program a woman into the food replicators. (laughs) (laughs) Almost feels like the real thing. Mm -hmm. Not, not the same warmth, but you know, you fucking, you order it hot and for the first 20 minutes, it feels like a real woman. Mashed potatoes shaped like a fleshlight. (laughs) (laughs) Mashed potatoes shaped like Spock. (laughs) (laughs) This means something. Oh God. Yes. Um, Picard appeals to Kirk. Come back with me. Help me stop Soren. Make a difference again. Kirk considers it, then agrees. Who am I to argue with the captain of the Enterprise? Yeah, and supposedly William Shatner said that was the hardest line for him to ever say. Oh, shut the <laughs> fuck up, William Shatner. Yeah, it's like, come on, bro. Yeah, fuck, fuck you. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, it... Uh, I take it the odds are against us and the situation is grim, Kirk says. Picard admits that it is. Kirk continues. You know, if Spock were here, he'd say that I'm an irrational, illogical human being for taking on a mission like that. And then grinning grinning adds, sounds like fun. <laughs> sounds Which like was fun. actually kind of a fun line. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the odds are against us. Like, all right. Well. So together they ride off on horses as a beam of light envelops them as they exit the Nexus. What? Okay. Yeah. Like uh, again, like the fact that they can choose, they can literally choose any any time they want to leave. Is, yeah, and the is, thing is, like, but they're trying to say that like the Nexus is like, you know, no one ever wants to leave because it's so cool to be there. But like, I don't know, no, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it's just like play almost like preying on the regrets of these people. Yeah, because uh, I think obviously like th- that's not the life that they really wanted. No. Straight up. It's like, you know, like for me, like my parents think that I want, you know, a life where I'm like in a heterosexual monogamous relationship and mm-hmm. shit like that. And I'm like, 
no, I don't think you know me if you think that's like what I want because that's like stuff that like you want and mm-hmm. you think is a cool life to have. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, with these captain types, they just want to lead something and be part of a bigger project. Yeah. They don't care about, you know, dumping their sperm into someone and getting something out of it like a fucking claw machine. Yeah. Um, you know, that's that's not important to them. And like up until this point, fucking Picard did not want kids until they're like Oh yeah, by the way, you're you're the last Picard now. And he's like, "Fuck, I got to use my sperm." <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. that's something that I feel like, you know, he has the regret, but I do think like it is sort of like uh they don't really play up the fact that he that it's like that he feels some responsibility mm-hmm. to to um, make continue the Picard line. Which is a weird thing that I think would be completely outdated at this point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's like some weird toxic like generational guilt type crap yeah yeah but it's this yeah like i wonder if yeah it does seem like that you know he's like but i mean he will you know he could be busting 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 rope and uh and laris so yeah could have a have a half romulan picard yeah but like his fucking sperm is so old (laughs) do you think he can even fuck at this point i mean it's the future I mean, I guess he is an android now but at the same time he's an android so does he have real sperm Ooh, they could have they could have frozen his sperm Oh yeah, that's very true. He just like he just locks and loads it like it's like a vape cartridge. <laughs> Jesus! Like, and he's like, <laughs> like a disposable vape. Yeah, and it just shoots out like a little like a like a shotgun. Like like detach, detaches it. He's like, like a shotgun shell. Can you recycle yeah. this or is it trash? I don't really know. It's like, uh, it's like a shotgun. Like the, the shotgun goes. <laughs> like he loads he loads the two vape. It's like a fucking Keurig cup. <laughs> yeah, he loads the, the Keurig cups full it's of like, cum. Uh, <laughs> would you like would you like the mango or the pineapple this time? I, don't, I thought the pineapple was a little bit astringent, but I don't know. Yeah, this is this is this is great. Yeah, <laughs> you could put flavors in. So like when. Yeah, but this is like okay, no, this is this is uh, legit Picard sperm. Oh, you do, do you did you like that load? It's Riker flavored. <laughs> Everyone likes Riker flavored. Um. So, oh, the immediate past replays. The Enterprise D saucer section crash lands and Picard crawls through the hole in the force field. Soren stands on the Viridian Three mountaintop and checks his pocket watch when a lone figure steps towards him. Soren looks up at the man and scowls. Just who the hell are you? Mm-hmm. Behind him, Picard appears. He's James T. Cock. Don't you read history? Yeah. Uh, Soren knows he's in trouble and jumps away, down onto the rocks below, and makes a quick retreat. Picard heads for the launcher as Kirk sets off in pursuit of the Elarian. Rounding a corner, Kirk is caught by Soren, who shoves a phaser in his face. Actually, I am familiar with history, Soren growls. And if I'm not mistaken, you're dead, which was an awesome line. <laughs> that is I actually line. loved that line. I loved everything about it. Yeah, like they should have given more time, like less, like if they had just cut out Kirk completely and just like dedicated more time to building Soran's like, character. One of the biggest problems with this film is they don't need the Kirk storyline at all. It's useless, it's shoehorned, and it's yeah. bad. Yeah. It like overcomplicates things and makes me go, it makes me like not understand the Nexus at all. Like if they wouldn't have had Kirk in there, I would have kind of understood the Nexus, but like the fact that like, I don't know, people in the Nexus can go to different 
other people's points in the nexus. Yeah. Because at first they're like, oh, yeah, you can go to any point in your life. And they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, you can go to any point in your children's life. Oh, yeah, by the way, <laughs> now you can go to Kirk's nexus. Yeah. Well, who cares? Fucking, yeah, why fuck, not? fuck it. Like, the <laughs> nexus is anything you want because it's just a really bad, like, Davies Ex Machina writing tool. That's actually why I have a theory. Who I will says? get to it at the end. Okay. You want? Oh, actually, we can get to it now. Is it an orange theory? The place where you go work out? No, no. It's like there's they like, and it kind of and it's actually a theory that I think explains the entire TNG movie universe. Okay, okay, go for it. They never left the Nexus. Interesting. Like this is just like they like they like because like who told him this? It was it was Guinan who was not even in the Nexus. So wait, wait, hold up. Not even they never left the Nexus. Picard never left the Nexus. Yes. Everyone's dead. Yeah, everyone and, and, died. And because Picard's thing is he always like wanted to be an action hero and shit. Yes. And so the rest of the films are just him playing action hero, yes. but everyone Nexus. is dead. Yes, and yeah. the Nexus. That's a crazy good idea, man. Yeah, like that's, wow. that's like Picard, Picard and Kirk thought they left the Nexus. They never left. Kirk was never in the Nexus. Or, yeah, Kirk was never in the Nexus. No, hey, no. Maybe he actually died. Yeah, Kirk did die. Yeah. And, and this is all Picard's fantasy. Yeah, and Picard, of, yeah. Of, of Kirk surviving, him doing space adventures with Kirk, actually, mm-hmm. you know, getting the baton passed to him from Kirk, reviving his crew. Mm-hmm. You are totally right. You are 100% right. Yeah, I think I can't. Honestly? I, I, when I was watching uh, during COVID, I was just like, oh my God, this explains everything. You just, you just... <laughs> did what i did to star trek 5 my theory i think makes star trek 5 an awesome movie mm-hmm. i think you just made star trek generations <laughs> maybe the best tng film because now it is a crazy tragedy yeah it is yeah it's it's this basically is... like total recall it's like because yeah. he never, they never fucking left yeah you're right and he's just been living uh, everyone actually died on the planet fuck dude like all the entire tng cast is uh-huh. dead yeah like all, all the tng films all of star trek picard all that's all oh my god this is all oh my god if they if they end picard season three with that that he's in the i will nexus i will um (laughs) (laughs) you're gonna you're gonna have you're gonna have some salt stained pants uh yeah i mean (laughs) it's it's gonna be difficult like uh, I'll, I'll suck a key of a goldsmith dick. I don't care. Yeah, Whatever, yeah. man. Whatever. Oh, At this point, was fuck <laughs> yeah. it. You're, just like, you're like a key of a goldsman. My body is yours. It's like, all right, man. Uh, it's either it's either this or Nick Cage. If either one happens, he can have whatever <laughs> hole he wants. That's yeah. all I'm saying. <laughs> exactly. Either either or. Yeah. But yeah, no. I've I- I've also said if uh, Nick Cage uh, somehow gets cast in the Star Trek universe, I will personally eat. Uh, Star Trek Discovery season three on Blu-ray. Wow. That's dangerous. <laughs> I will get to choose the method of ingestion and I will get to choose the timeline of ingestion. So it could okay. be over a week or a month, but mm. I will slowly but completely eat just the disc. Just the disc. Just the disc. Of Star Trek Discovery season three. I feel on that's toxic. I feel you probably shouldn't. Unless you put it into pills. No. Listen, don't tell me what I can't do. <laughs> just, just saying, just saying, it could be dangerous. Could, could rip you up your insides. Could, but you know what? If we live in a world with Nick Cage Star Trek, I can die happy. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, you're gonna risk uh, um, some sort of like poisoning. You're gonna, you're gonna like up. You know, you're you're just like looking at like the rate of how much microplastics are in the human body, mm-hmm. and you're just like, I can do more. <laughs> It's like they uh, they do some exploratory surgery and they're like, uh, oh, 
we've uh i think we found the blockage yeah we just made a discovery <laughs> i made a discovery uh, bum, wink, bum, bum, bum. wink 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 <laughs> okay, so <laughs> picard jumps down behind soren catching him off guard long enough for kirk to get in several blows <laughs> <laughs> uh kirk and soren fight exchanging punches <laughs> until kirk is able to knock soren off a cliff Grabbing onto a dangling rope, Soren saves himself, entering a command into his pad that cloaks his rocket launcher. Suddenly, the rope snaps and Soren drops, then jolts to a stop, losing his control pad, which falls into a metal bridge spanning a chasm. Realizing they must decloak the launcher in order to prevent it from launching, Kirk and Picard run onto the bridge towards the pad. A volley of phaser fire flies through the air, narrowly missing the two Starfleet captains and slicing the bridge in half. Picard is cloned, thrown clear, but Kirk hangs on to what is left of the bridge. With all his might, Picard pulls Kirk to safety and the two collapse on the ground, noticing the pad intact on the other half of the bridge, a deep chasm away from them. They then see the Nexus begin to appear in the sky. Kirk volunteers to go, telling Picard to get the launcher and prepare to deactivate it once it is decloaked. Picard maintains Kirk will never make the jump himself and that they should work together to get the pad. Kirk reminds Picard that they are working together and to trust him. He, te uh, he tells Picard to call him Jim. Picard smiles at the Starfleet legend and heads for the launcher. It's kind of, a, kind of a sweet moment. Fantasy stuff. Oh, yeah. He's like... Yeah, having having like a call me Jim or Daddy. Yeah, it's like <laughs> Superman being like, "Hey, call me Clark to us," you know, mm. or some you know, no, you know, just fuck Superman. <laughs> yeah, fuck Superman. But I'm just like saying, like you know, some 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 mythical person or some or someone from history, you know, or like maybe like uh, you know, anybody. You want it? And some uh, Thomas Sankara, you know, uh, uh, Fidel Castro, and like you're cool. <laughs> <laughs> great examples dog <laughs> gingerly stepping out of Thomas' car amazing uh, gingerly stepping out onto the broken bridge Kirk stands at the edge preparing to jump over the chasm to the other half as the delicate bridge collapses under his weight because he's fat <laughs> Kirk Lee is like I should have worn my corset <laughs> uh, Kirk, he is though he is though Huh? He is wearing a corset. Oh, obviously. Yeah, like that. I think it was very evident. That, that was the joke. He's, it doesn't get rid of weight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was very evident. Yeah, when they when they beam down and like they're like they're delegating orders. Like, uh, um, they're just like, uh, yeah. He's like standing there. I'm like, oh yeah. He's definitely corseted up. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. He's. I mean, he's basically an eagle at this point. He's got so many corsets. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> Kirk leaps, catching himself on the other half of the bridge and grabbing hold of the pad. Entering in a command, uh, Kirk decloaks the rocket launcher and begins to try to climb up. But it's too late. The bridge buckles and careens down the rock face, taking Kirk with it. And uh, this is the part I kept on having to pause because the salt stain just like grew <laughs> over my pants. Like, Again? This is, I don't have any more pants. <laughs> I, mean, I had to do laundry before you came over because this is a whole thing, man. Uh, running up a platform and onto the launcher, Picard frantically works the controls, trying to prevent it from launching. Aiming his phaser at Picard, Soren demands the captain step away from the launcher. 
Picard jumps down and runs around a rock face and out of sight. Soren heaves himself onto the launcher, just uh, in time to ready the display screen. The locking clamps have been engaged. Soren only has time to recognize his doom as the launcher fires and explodes in an enormous fireball that covers the entire area in a thick cloud of smoke and dust. With the Viridian sun still intact, the Nexus passes the planet, never making contact. That's why I feel like this is like, you know, again, with the movie rules, like, I think Picard would have told him not to to run away. It's about to blow. Right. Like, he wouldn't have allowed Sauron to blow up. No. no he's, he, I mean, yeah, he's, 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 you know, like Superman. He never kills anyone, mm-hmm. you know, only brings him to justice. But this is again like you know these it's because, like Kirk. Kirk would have allowed him to die. Yes. Um, yeah, Kirk likes people dying. But this is but then again, this is my theory that yeah, it's like Picard is now in, in the action film that plays in his mind. You're 100 percent. Like right. he, re, he like it that he was actually just rejecting the idea that he wanted some fucking like boring ass Christmas Carol ass fucking life where he's like with a bunch of stupid fucking kids mm-hmm. that are fucking lame and just being just doing Christmas. It's, it, 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 the Nexus revealed the true nature of his heart, which is he wanted to fucking kick ass and chew bubble gum. Yeah, I, I love <laughs> I love that he's given the choice. He's like, I'm sorry, Renee, you must burn. You must burn. I want to be cool. Yeah. <laughs> Have, have you seen the Die Hard series? <laughs> yeah, because we had a glimpse of that. Because like, yeah, that the the John McClane episode of Star of, of TNG where where Picard's on the ship alone, mm-hmm. uh, and like, oh. and uh, you know where he kills uh, Tim Russ. Yeah, like uh, that that was the glimpse of of Picard's inner heart, the mm-hmm. one that he's not even that he's he's like he is not honest with himself about mm-hmm. what he truly wants, and that is what he wants. Like given given the circumstance, he was able to attain that. In- interesting theory yeah maybe he was in the nexus before this film because how oh. else do you explain tim russ appearing multiple times yeah yeah straight up oh yeah maybe tim russ is actually sort of like a like a, a like the physical representation of the nexus within the nexus oh my God. so he's actually like the <laughs> or or no actually better yet you know who is you know who's the physical representation of the nexus i don't know mr vulcan no, Jeffrey Combs. Oh yeah, that that makes sense. <laughs> although, although although it doesn't because Jeffrey Combs uh, was only ever on DS9 and Enterprise. That's true. For, uh, never on TNG ever, which is crazy to me. Yeah, I guess he wasn't. He wasn't. No. Hmm. Yeah, he like yeah, he was just like I guess became like super good friends with Iris Stephen Bear, and so he was just like yeah, let's have him back again this week, and they're like. Why don't we just add him to the cast? He's yeah. Because like, he plays 40 people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that would have been, uh, yeah, so I guess Tim Russ is the Nexus, uh, ne- the Nexus, uh, the, how the Nexus uh, wants, appears to the people within it. Mm. And, uh, oh, I think, I think he's, I think he's like a combination of Tuvok and the Nexus. So he's, mm. he's Texas. Texas. <laughs> now that would be, that would be a, a god. <laughs> hey, Mr. Cowboy Man. If they reveal this in in Picard season three, that'll be a god tier reveal. That would be that would be like that would be thirty years in the making. That would have been crazy, but uh, it's too good to happen. That's the it's problem. Because this isn't being like headed up by like the Hegman brothers or like people who care and like want to get deep into the dumb canon. Yeah. Which I I I, I once again shout out to the Hegman brothers who do Prodigy. 
They fucking recanonize Threshold. Yeah. Which is known to be one of the dumbest episodes in all of Star Trek. And you have no idea. That is the biggest dick move you could possibly oh, yeah. do in Star Trek. Yeah. To be like, oh, yeah, we're doing this uh, Star Trek kids show. Guess what, though? It's going to be some of the best Star Trek you've seen in decades. Uh, guess what, though? Uh, we're also going to reference the worst Star Trek you've seen in decades. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha, suck our salamander dicks, motherfucker. It's so good. You know what? Like, I'm the threshold defender. No, Threshold rocks. Yeah, it rocks. No, no, we, we've talked about this before. Like, uh, the best Voyager is the worst Voyager. Yes. Like, almost categorically. Like, the, the campier and the dumber and, like... Dinos in space? Why the fuck not? Straight up. Like, <laughs> like you know, even, like, you could definitely make a case that, like, pretty much all of the Doctor episodes are dumb because they're so fucking campy. Yeah. But they're amazing because they're oh, so yeah. fucking campy. I, I love every single, everything the doctor does, yeah. I love. It's literally, it's, uh, although I don't think Robert Picardo is gay, he somehow manages to be the gayest person on all of oh, Star obviously, Trek. Oh, obviously, yeah. Easily. Yeah. Easily. Hands down, in, <laughs> up, anywhere you want, baby. Mm -hmm. Full fists. Um, <clears throat> so, emerging from the cloud, Picard makes his way into the chasm where the bridge has collapsed. Digging through the twisted metal wreckage. Uh, awesome game, by the way. Picard <laughs> uncovers Kirk laying broken among the, the debris. Kirk is bloody and faint. Did we do it? Did we make a difference? Picard assures him they have and thanks the captain. The least I could do, Kirk says, for the captain of the Enterprise. He manages a weak smile. It was fun then turns and faces his destiny, saying, Oh, my. <laughs> oh, my. He actually does say, oh, my, which yeah. is funny. Yeah, because he's going where man has never gone before, where he's never gone before. Is that why George Takei started saying, oh, my? Because, hmm? you know, George Takei's thing yeah, is, yeah. oh, my. Mm. But it was like Kirk's dying words. <laughs> Do you think he's doing that, like, poking fun at mm. him? Because he didn't use that until, at least I'm aware, like, the 2000s, like, well after mm. this. That's interesting. interesting. There's another theory, another amazing fan, fan theory from this podcast. <laughs> yes. The reason George Takei says, oh, my, <laughs> is because it was Kirk's dying words. I love it. Yeah, me too. He, yeah, that's, he, he jerks off just as that scene playing on repeat. Yes. Oh, yeah. We love that. <laughs> It's like, fall from that bridge, dumb daddy. Dumb, Dude. dumb daddy. <laughs> oh, my. Um, so burying Kirk beneath a uh, carn of large rocks on the mountaintop is the sunset. Picard stands and keeps silent vigil. The following day, Picard begins trekking through the desert until a shuttlecraft locates the captain and picks him up. Next, we get a captain's log. Captain's log, stardate 48635.1. Three Starfleet vessels have arrived in orbit and have begun to beam up the Enterprise survivors. Our casualties were light, but unfortunately, the Enterprise itself cannot be salvaged. As the saucer, uh, at the saucer crash site, Starfleet rescue shuttles have begun a salvage effort. In the ship's destroyed cargo bay, crew members carry out salvageable equipment, belongings, and patients out while Deanna Troy and Data use tricorders to search for survivors. Data tells Troy that after experiencing 39 distinct emotional states, he believes that he will be able to control his feelings in the future, so he has decided not to remove the emotion chip. As Troy wishes him luck, 
her tricorder detects a faint life form in the wreckage. Tearing through the debris, they find none other than Spawn. Good, good little cat boy. Yeah. I think this is actually the best scene with with Data's emotional chip. Yeah. Like it, it actually makes sense. This actually makes sense and it's very touching. It you is. know, it's like and we people, fucking love cats. Yeah, it's two people cats, who love cats. Mm-hmm. Like this is I think I don't think a cat lover can watch this scene and not feel emotional. No, no. Right I was like <laughs> I watched this and I'm like, all right, this is fine. Yeah. <laughs> like the rest of the film, I'm like, ah, fuck this. And this one I'm like, oh I'll spot. Oh. He, he's such a good boy. Tell him he's yeah. a good boy. He's a pretty boy. Mm-hmm. Um so as he cradles uh, Spot in his arms, Data begins to break down in tears. When Troy asks if he's all right, Data tells her that he believes the emotion chip is malfunctioning as he is happy to see Spot, but he's crying. Data thinks that perhaps the chip is malfunctioning, but Troy kindly reassures him that she believes the chip is working perfectly, which was really awesome. I love that. Mm. It, was, it was very heartfelt, very fun. In what is left of Picard's ready room, Commander Riker and Captain Picard retrieve the Picard family album under broken pieces of the room's furniture and then move out onto the bridge. After he picks up the uh, the um, the twelve thousand year old artifact that was given to him that he that he loves, yeah. and instead of like taking that with him, like, uh, fuck it, he's like it's fuck old it, shit. he throws it down old and shit. picks up his fucking photo album, like this thing that's like the one of the last. The last remnants of an ancient alien culture he picks up and, put, and leaves back on the ship. I was just like, Fuck it. <laughs> It'll be here. They'll make a museum out of it someday. Yeah, Fuck it. Who um, cares? So uh, Riker laments that the Enterprise went before her time, and Picard relates that uh, to his first officer his thoughts. He uh, says, Someone once told me that time was a predator that stalked us all our lives. But I rather believe that time is a companion that goes with us on the journey and reminds us to cherish every moment because they'll never come again. Like Data, he'll never come again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they stand. Oh, no. He's, he's got plenty of, plenty of uh, busts in the future. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> they stand near the center seats of the bridge and survey the damage. Picard holds his family album close and smiles. What we leave behind is not as important as how we lived. After all, number one, we're only mortal. <laughs> Riker grins mischievously. Speak for yourself, sir. I plan to live forever. And he could. He could. I mean, uh, he was offered to be a fucking traveler, mortal, or yeah. uh, Q, rather. Q, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. So, Riker is disappointed that he will no longer have the chance to command this enterprise and stands near the ruined captain's chair. But Picard assures him, his first officer, uh, sorry, Picard assures his first officer that he very much doubts this will be the last ship to bear the name. After nearly eight years of calling the Enterprise D home, Picard and Riker take one last look around their destroyed starship, and Picard signals the Nebula-class starship USS Farragut for two to beam up. The Farragut, along with a Miranda-class and an Oberth-class starships, go to warp, leaving Viridian 3 behind. And while the Enterprise-D may have gone, the legacy, like the name, will live on. Credits roll, motherfucker! Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. Uh, what'd you think? What'd you think of this movie? I mean, it's okay, in my opinion. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's it's. I mean, it's 
I mean, I do, it's hard because I have very fond memories because it's like I think probably the first te- uh, Star Trek movie I saw in theaters. Fair, pretty sure. Makes sense. And like, so I had like a very fond feeling of it for many, many years. Yeah. And I think like the when I I first started seeing it in a different light, you know, when I saw it during COVID, I was like, okay, oh yeah, never mind, because <laughs> just like it definitely sat with me differently, and um, and just like you notice like the different little plot holes. Yeah, and um, and like and a very anticlimactic death of of Kirk, mm-hmm, like Kirk just dying on some random alien planet, and then like Picard, <clears throat> and like Picard just keeps it a secret. Like obviously, he yeah. has, this is not something that he, like he did not report um the fact that he used uh that he that Kirk helped him on this, which is weird because you figure you know you'd probably as a captain have to report you know weird temporal shit as well, especially after the temporal cold war and stuff. Yeah. You figure there would be like it would be mandatory that if something weird with time happens, you need to report and it. And the fact that they had like yeah Starfleet techs combing the area, they had the techs combing um the fucking uh. Uh, you know the crash landing site. True, true. Obviously, they would want to also comb uh the launch pad mm-hmm. that uh, Soren was using. So, and it did and the look, launch pad McQuack. And the launch pad McQuack. Yeah. And he didn't bury Kirk's body far from the fucking um the the scaffolding that he built to mm-hmm. enter the Nexus. So true. it's just like so Picard's body. I mean, Kirk's body is just fucking just hanging out in that thing, just covered. Just covered with by rocks, s- with rocks. Where if there was any animals on this planet, like it would just be like picked apart, like just like that'd be great. If yeah, they're they're fucking still surveying the wreckage of the Enterprise D, and there's just like a group of coyotes dragging, <laughs> yeah, like, dragging Kirk's, Kirk's like dead carcass yeah, along the landscape. Alien coyotes, going, <laughs> just biting, just, just yeah, fighting over his face. <laughs> yeah, just like just, he, just a it, fucking a f- weird alien bear with eight arms just eating his dick. <laughs> <laughs> And, they, and all of the Starfleet techs are like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> just like, so like, like hey, that's the that... smallest penis I've ever seen. <laughs> is that James T. Kirk's dick? <laughs> How do you know what James T. Kirk's dick looks like? Uh, the Academy, we all saw it. It's yeah, like, there's, a, there's an entire, there's an entire, there's an entire class on it. Yeah, that's what that's what they call the Kobayashi Maru now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's just like, yeah, it just seems, I don't know, it, and I feel like. I mean, not only does it like kind of ruin the ending of Star Trek Six, it does. Uh, it also ruins uh, all good things and my orgasms. As and well. my yes, uh, and and uh, I guess Ronald D. Moore and uh, Braga did say hmm. that of the two, you know, they worked on, they did uh, all good things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of uh, and then they did this, and they said obviously like all, all good, good things, things is superior in every way. Exactly, and it's, it's more emotionally impactful. It makes sense. Makes sense. It actually makes sense, which is a big thing. And it's not like a big fucking like shoot 'em up at all. It's like it's 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 all like yeah, just Picard space lawyering through like different times. Right, and, and the thing is, I think the biggest problem with this movie is it's just trying to be too much and trying yeah. to do too much. And the bigger problem is none of the things it's trying to do are Star Trek. No. Like, it's it's trying to do this weird, like, I don't know, it's uh, doing a send-off for Kirk is, like, it. I think what it's trying to prioritize in the movie, right? Yes. Um, but they're also doing, like, a, a weird, like, time travel, like, it's not time travel, though. I don't even know what, it's, like, wishful thinking dream world shit. Um, there's like three or four different stories that don't really work that well together. And 
The problem too is it doesn't really feel like a TNG film at all. It feels like it is a film completely, completely about Kirk and Picard. Yeah. The only two people that really matter in this film at all are Kirk and Picard. Everything else is fucking like, you know, just the whole data and Geordi thing. None, none of that really matters that much to the plot. No, I mean like the data thing was just there because they're they're probably like, okay, well, movies need like comic relief. Yeah, and for, we don't have any comic relief. Riker, which, but, yeah. Riker's useless in this movie. I, yeah, I don't think they even wanted Riker or cared about Riker in this movie. No. And we'll talk about that in subspace transmissions because there's some stuff that, that you're like, do they even plan for him to be here? Yeah, and that's the thing. Yeah, when he's like, when when he's like, you know, the captain of the Enterprise during like the battle, like. He doesn't make good decisions. Like he's completely inconsequential. He, he would have been. He should have been. Yeah, he's asking like you know, Worf and everybody else, but he doesn't like ever think. Change the shield frequency. Yeah, which is like obvious the easy, shit. E- obvious shit, and it's just like, <coughs> and it's like clearly stuff that they did as a way of like building the tension. Mm-hmm. But they, as again, like there's tons of ways you could build tension. Like I think, mm. and also like the Nexus, I feel it was like un wasn't really well thought through. Because it doesn't like, really so, make any sense. So it's like, okay, so it's like this like this weird ribbon that grants wishes, but why? Is it does that does that because that's showing that it has some sort of intelligence, I think, that it's able to project um and uh project the per- people's thoughts. So it's well, obviously an intelligent entity. So so here's the problem with the fucking time ribbon shit, the the Nexus. Mm-hmm. No matter what you do with it, the more you explain it, the more convoluted it's going to get yeah. and the harder it is to follow. Like, I mean, it's almost a strength that they didn't explain it at all because no matter what they do, it's going to suck. Yeah. Like, no matter whether... Yeah, even, can, even it's, if it's, like, it's beyond our understanding. Yeah, even if they're like, oh, it's intelligence beyond our understanding. It's like, you know, an omniscient be what we might think of as a being or something. Even that would be like... So, I mean, I mean what, what's its motive? Right. Yeah, that, and that's that's too important to ignore at that point. And if it's if it's not sentient at all, if it's just something that's like happening, how is this the first time? Because it's close to the their solar system. How is this the first time they're finding out about it? Especially like when it, it also. I mean, it came close eighty years ago. Exactly. Like and they, 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 no one studied it at at this point. Like it was like a major thing, and they and they pulled human they pulled not human beings but they pulled intelligent people out of it i mean and, and like that's that's something that would that would warrant like all of the greatest minds in the federation like studying this right. motherfucker and, and they also like you know they saved a bunch of elarians who are now like you know indebted in a way to starfleet saving their lives and somehow in that 80 years no one no elarian has been like oh by the way borg borg like b- literally <laughs> like the first time that starfleet learns about the borg is on q who yeah which like guinan had the knowledge up until that point she's like oh shit the borg uh-huh. oh i could have told you about this but you're yeah. you were you weren't meant to go to the delta quadrant yeah, yeah. i don't i don't get it at all no and yeah like it, i feel it would have been something that would have been warranted but like it seemed like no one nobody in the federation was concerned at any point no and I also thought that would have been like a better, also kind of like secondary villain. Like obviously, Sauron could have been like a main villain, like mm-hmm. one, like doing these things to put but people n- in no, the Nexus. No. Kirk is the villain. Yeah, Kirk's the villain. But like bringing the people into Nexus. But like, yeah, like what is the motive of the Nexus? Like wanting to keep people in because obviously, like you know, it's kind of like the Matrix type situation. Where like I mean, is it fulfilling wishes though? Are people fulfilling their own wishes? Is this thing more like um, you know a, a blank canvas that they can paint on? Is, yeah. is how I interpreted it. Not like 
something that like takes all your desires and wants to keep you there. Yeah. It's a place you want to be, mm-hmm. not that wants to trap you. Yeah. Saying, Which is like, why people can like leave freely. But that by saying that would be a good thing you know like it wants to keep you there because it's also extracting something from you like life yeah force that, to that could have been cool and like and yeah, make, um, make it a little matrixy or something yeah make it a little matrixy also i think the matrix is still happening for picard and yeah. um like and he's still just being like right now he's just a withered husk actually mm. in real life well he is in real life oh, yeah absolutely but like but still like that would have been a like you know a, a bigger reason to want to leave the nexus and also like but i mean like yeah of course we have like the threat that these people that we never see like that would have been nice to include a scene of just like the pre-warp civilization that they're saving or something yeah that but, would that would have cost like extras yeah i mean but, that's the thing too is like this film feels cheap yeah like there's some things that are like feel super expensive like a lot of the effects but like all of the humans and their interactions feel very fucking recycled from like tng oh yeah it's wild yeah yeah, but uh, I, I hated this movie. Sucked. Uh, it's one of the worst Star Trek films, I'd say. Yeah. Easy. Yeah, it's no it's no Star Trek Beyond, I'll give you that. Sure. <laughs> I think you just want Star Trek Beyond Meat. That's your thing. <laughs> oh, It's the only yeah. vegan Star Trek film. Star Trek Beyond Meat. Yep, got him. Yeah, so uh, I wouldn't recommend it, you know, unless you're dead set on watching all the Star Trek films. How about you? I mean, I think it's like probably necessary because, like, yeah. if, I mean, it's not, you know, it's not, it's not necessary to anything. No, I don't it's actually not don't... necessarily to the next TNG film, which is the only good one. Yeah, actually, yeah, because like, yeah, I, like the TNG films, I feel as a as a whole are pretty inconsequential. Oh yeah, they're bad too. And also, you mean, I, I, I mean, and... they're super consequential because of Nemesis. Like, basically, mm-hmm. all of the new Trek, like kind of revolves in one way around the events in nemesis which sucks yeah and yeah and uh, yeah yep i mean i would thought you know star trek picard's also in the same boat but that's why you know i hope to be proven right this is all like picard's uh fantasy and within the nexus and i guess we'll see we'll see with the picard season three coming up in a month oh boy all right well with that i think we should call it there yeah Captain's Log Supplemental. Well, that's all, folks. Looks like it's time for us to warp away. Be well, travel safe, and go fuck yourself. Yeah. Thanks for checking with us, away, boys, girls, and other worldly beans. Hang, Hang dong, dong and, and shocker. Soy, 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 soy,